Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Uh, today we're co- are covering part two of chapter four of Mysteries of Creation. Um, who is the creator? And we'll be starting on page 41, but almost to 42. So we're just starting where I left off. The Lord is not restricted in giving invitation to other creations to visit this earth. So you need not be surprised if some visitors from other worlds do visit this one. Well, that's interesting. We're on page 42 at 63% through the reading of this chapter. If you will read the second chapter of the book of Moses, you will find that Christ was instrumental in the creation of many worlds. Reason would teach us that he would have power to retain them. Answers to Gospel Questions, Volume 3, page 211. Elder Marky Peterson had the ultimate concept of Christ as the creator when he said, and basically this is just these guys are like, oh, trying to figure it out with their brains and like ignoring, I don't know, revelation. Because Marky Peterson was uh, the most racist of all the apostles in the 1970s. They actually had to send him away to, uh, I think, Brazil in order to get the so-called unanimous vote that they have to have in order to give the blacks the priesthood. Yeah, he wasn't there for that. But of course, he's an apostle. Sure, sure he is. May I make this crystal clear? Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Savior, created all things under the direction of his Father, including life, and did so according to the preconceived plan. He was the creator of heaven and earth. Well, that's interesting. What did the Father have to do with anything? I'm sorry. I I have a problem with lies. And with men who come up with crap to lie so that people will follow them. This is the position we Latter-day Saints must take with respect to Jesus Christ. Because remember, once the thinking has been done by the general authorities, the thinking has been done. And there should be no more conversation about it. If we truly believe in him, we must believe in his doctrine. And this is the doctrine of Christ. Are we willing to believe it? Why do you have to like cudgel me into believing your line of bull? Mm. Are we willing to be Christians within the framework of this definition? I would rather be a restorationalist than a Christian. Because all of Christendom is apostate. All of it. They're all apostate. There was a reason for the restoration. We shouldn't be trying to be Christians. Yeah, we believe in Jesus Christ, but we are restorationalists. Joseph Smith was chosen by the Father and the Son to be the prophet of the restoration. Because all of Christendom is, is, is apostate to the core rotten to the core there might be some truth in a rotten apple guess what it's still apostate i do not consider myself a christian i consider myself 
a restorationalist. And I wish a church would would stop trying to become popular with the Christians. Oh, we're Christians too. No, you're not. Oh, it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, we do worship a different Jesus because guess what? The Jesus you worship is a lie, is apostate, is all hell. They believe in the Trinity. The Trinity is a lie. It's a it's apostate. A lot of the doctrines of the Christian church are apostate as well. And guess what? The LDS church and their mad race to become Christians have shut off many of the truths of, of the restoration. And guess what? They're apostate too. That's why Jesus Christ said he would have to send one mighty and strong to set the house of God back in order because he knew that it would get out of order, which it has. Let me just turn this down. I forgot to do that. Oh, not this. Turn it down just a little bit. Let's see if we can keep it going this time. It... it it wanted to turn off the other or the last time I did the program and it wouldn't turn back on. Anyway, astronomers tell us that the heavens themselves are so great that even this larger system made up of 19 organizations like our Milky Way is just tucked away in one corner of the heavens. And yeah, and you know how big the Milky Way is? A hundred light years, a hundred light years across. Actually, I don't think it's that big. Somebody told me it was that big once, and I was like, I don't know about that, because it takes like four hundred thousand years for our, our our sun to go around the Milky Way one time. And you know what? These numbers, I, I'm not an expert in these things. I'm just giving you vague things that I kind of remember people talking about. The, the point is that, like, this galaxy has hundreds of billions of stars within it. Guess who didn't create every single one of them? Jesus Christ. Guess who didn't create any of them, including this, this sun and this solar system and this planet that we live on now? Jesus Christ. He organized the spirits in the spirit world. He did not organize this earth. Go back to your own temple endowments. The council of the Elohim or the Elohim instructs Jehovah to take Michael to create an earth. Where's Jesus in all of this? He's not there because he did not do it. He organized, which is another word for create in Hebrew. He organized the spirits, Jesus did. That's how he is a creator. Michael created this earth. He organized this earth with the animals and the trees and the grasses and the shrubs and the everything. He organized this earth under the direction of God, Jehovah our Elohim. Or Yehovah or Elohim. And go back into the Old Testament. And every time it says the Lord your God. It says in Hebrew. Yehovah. Elohim. Because Yehovah is an Elohim. And they tried to cover up the word of God. By, by using those words in the King James Version. Back to this lie. I mean this quote. 
and realize how vast then creation is and know that it was all made by Jesus Christ who died on the cross. It, uh, it's a lie. It's just a lie. And, and if I might say it, and I know I'm going to, like, some of you are going to run away after after I say this. It's a goddamned lie. It is apostasy. They do not understand these things because in 1843, the church was rejected. And you went from receiving some revelation, actually a lot, to hardly any. Joseph Smith was taken. And then you got a couple of revelations past that. And then they give up the principle. They give up the principle after they were told in 18, I think it was 1889 and 1890 not to give it up. Because there's some revelations between 1880 and 1890, which were true revelations. And they just, they gave it up. They were told not to give in to their enemies. But they did, with the manifesto and all the crap that they did. Wilfred Woodruff was specifically told by Jesus Christ, who he did see face to face, not to give up certain things, and he did it anyway. After Wilfred Woodruff was uh, murdered, and I know you don't know that, but he was murdered. He was poisoned to death by... Members of the Bohemian Club. Lorenzo Snow is like, how do I organize the first presidency? And he's like praying in the Holy of Holies and like Jesus is incoming. And he's like, what do I do? And like, do I have to repent? He goes and he like goes up in the mountains and he does all this repenting and he does all these things. And, uh, he goes back in the Holy of Holies. He's asking God all these questions. He's asking for Jesus to come. And Jesus doesn't come. And then he walks out of the Holy of Holies, which is in the celestial room. He walks around the corner and Jesus Christ is standing there. And he says, I'm not going to go back in that room until you fix things. You've rejected my gospel. What did they do? They gave up. The principle. It was like the last straw. And guess what? You don't get any more revelation at all. They went from being condemned in 1832 to rejected in 1833 to completely and utterly just or was enough in 1890 and, and beyond. And you have a couple of people like David B. Haight and Joseph F. Smith who are given as individuals certain visions, but they are not prophet seers or revelators. They have no fruit of being prophet seers and revelators. And the longer you lie to yourself and follow these people who are Babylonian businessmen who have hijacked God's church, the more you uphold them, the more you are upholding a lie. 
Continuing on, that that is the way in which we Latter-day Saints must regard Jesus Christ, not alone as the babe of Bethlehem, not alone as the great sacrificial lamb who wrought out the atonement on the cross, but also as a creator of heaven and earth. Jesus, or that's Christ, the creator, BYU speech, December 13th, 1977. So, they, and they make themselves feel good about what this stuff. You know, oh, God revealed it to me, a false prophet who has never had the actual fruit of being a prophecy or a revelator. They're liars. They're Babylonian businessmen. Every single one of them are Babylonian businessmen. Every single one of them are Babylonian businessmen who have hijacked a church. They are false administrators. According to Elder Peterson, then Jesus created this world as well as other worlds without number, and that included all life. And we're on page 43 if you're reading along. That would leave little little else for the Father to do. It also means that Jesus Christ was already an exalted God and a creator. But this viewpoint presents some real problems. If Jesus organized physical worlds without number and was the savior of them all, which is what they want to say, the universal atonement, which is weird because like we exist in time and all the universe and all the worlds that ever were created, they had to wait all the way up until this earth was created and all the way up until the meridian of time on this earth for Jesus Christ to atone for the sins of all the universe, it's a lie. Jesus Christ atoned for the sins of this fallen world alone. The, the doctrine that has been taught by these apostate leaders of this church and the restoration they are they do not know what they're talking about it means that he had to go down and be crucified on each earth in order to redeem it or else none of those numberless worlds had been had an atonement or redemption in effect until jesus christ came down to this earth to be crucified. Furthermore, if he created all these things, including life, either then either Jesus is God the Father, or else God the Father created nothing. And and like we've already explained to you how Jesus is the Father, but he's also the Son. The Son alone created everything. If Jesus created all life, then he created then he created himself and there is no end to the misconstruing of that interpretation and theory how could the son do something he was supposed to learn from his father if the father never had created an earth let me just um in the endowment we know that that the Elohim or the council of the gods instructed Jehovah to take Michael to create the earth. Um, 
hold on. I'm going to put the music back on. Um, I, uh, I put it on another device, uh, so that it wouldn't keep turning off. So let me just do that right now. All right. Hopefully it's not too loud. I'm, I have to adjust things. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. Anyway, um, so real quick, um, I'm just coming back to this. This has taken me three days to do this one podcast. Um, my first day off was recovery. (laughs) I was just exhausted, like really bad. Um, all of that day. And then I slept that night and the next morning I woke up and I did, uh, I did a recording for a couple of hours trying to get everything ready and all of that. And then the next day I was working on a bunch of stuff. And then yesterday I was just exhausted again because we worked so hard the day before and so late. And now I'm getting back to it on this day when I'm supposed to be going back to work uh, later on today. It's really early in the morning. so. But we're at 78%, so I will be able to finish this and post both of these podcasts up um, on the the podcast, uh, you know, part one and part two. Of course, you already know that because you wouldn't hear it unless I was posting it. Anyway... Can a man become a god and never create an earth or any children upon it? Misinterpreting this one verse from Moses chapter 1 verse 33 has led to a great misunderstanding. And that is, And worlds without number have I created, and I also create them for mine own purpose. purpose. And by the Son I created them. That's the office of a son. When you understand the progression of the gods, you understand, you understand, well, there's a lot of things you've got to understand. In order to understand the correct interpretation of scripture, you can't just logic your way through this. This is intentionally hard to understand. You have to go to God. That is by design. In order to understand the correct interpretation of scripture, you have to go to God. You might be able to hear it from a prophet, but there are so many false prophets out there that you still have to go to God. You don't know, unless you've gotten a spiritual witness, that I'm a true prophet. And even if I am a true prophet, um, I can still be wrong about things because I'm just as mortal as you are. I'm still as fallen as you are. Like, just because, and my ex-wife used to hate this because she would always give me crap about like, oh, my um, President Hinckley, who was her great uncle, who she considered a true prophet, and so did I. Um, she would say, uh, President Hinckley's the prophet, and he says that if your hair touches your collar, then then that's wrong, and that should never happen. And I'm like, what? And, like, I have tattoos from when I was younger, before my conversion. Um, I got tattoos on both my arms and on my back. Okay? Nothing bad. One of them's a heart, uh, a heart that's, um... 
is pierced by uh, the stem of a rose and the rose is black. And I got that because um, I thought as a young man that I really loved this woman and um, I wanted to marry her and um, her family did not like that and they moved her away and wouldn't tell me where she went to and like it was just those circumstances were that I wasn't able to uh, have any contact with her no way for her to contact me it was just a big mess and um, and I got that because love hurts and uh, I have a Masonic um, compass and square with the G on my other arm and that stands for uh, the square is the same as the endowment square, you know, straight, uh, the straight and narrow path, basically. And the compass is to find your way to God. And the G is stands for either God or geometry. But in my case, it stands for God. And it's covering up a scar that uh, I created when I was a teenager of a big anarchy symbol on my arm, you know. And then my last, or the last tattoo is on my back, is uh, across the top of my back. It says Lazarus because, uh, well, that's one of my nicknames. That's what I was called for a long time. Um, it has to do with the fact that I've been shot at multiple times. I got blown up once. I've been stabbed. I've had multiple times when I should be dead, hypothermia multiple times, <clears throat> and uh, though I n wasn't raised from the dead like Lazarus was, because um, I never died, <laughs> um, it's kind of like an allusion to that, like I can't die, and and that's that's wrong too, I will die at some point. Um, I will probably be murdered. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, and I'm not going to get into why I say that right now. Um, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, but she used, to, my ex-wife used to flip out and, and I would always tell her, um, you know, God doesn't stick his hands up the prophet's ass and turn him into a puppet. He's allowed to make his have his own decisions and make his own uh, opinions known, but unless it's a thus saith the Lord, it's not a commandment. You know, it's his opinion. When he talked about um, putting, you know, women should only have one set of earrings in their ears and... Uh, men should have none and then you should keep a short hair and like there's no no facial hair um you know there was a bunch of other things that he he was saying while he was still alive and uh and she would use that to beat me over the head like if i wasn't acting the perfect way or i i didn't look the perfect way um, she would use that. And um, Joseph Smith talked about how he was only a prophet when he was acting as a prophet. Like, he could talk about things, and it doesn't mean that everything that came out of his mouth was the word of God. 
like what God gave him a revelation to share with the people, then he like would let people know, yeah, this is like God's revelation. He's given it to me to give it to you. But if it wasn't that, um, he might talk about things he knew like I do, but it doesn't mean that that's a revelation to the world in general, you know? So anyway, um, but we've, the whole point of this is we've got to go to God to get our, um, interpretation of scripture from him. Cause he's the only one that has, he's the only one that has the correct interpretation. If you lack wisdom, ask God, you've got to go to him. So anyway, and by the son I created them, which is mine only begotten. All right. We're going to get into that topic too of what an only begotten is because there's more than one only begotten. Okay. It's like there's more than one firstborn. Every um, man has a firstborn that has children and every woman has a firstborn that has children. Um, but they're not the only firstborn among all, you know, and it is the same with, um, with Jesus Christ. He is the only begotten for our father and our father wasn't only begotten for his father. Understanding the progression of the gods helps you understand what it means to be an only begotten and that these are offices and titles not were uh, not names that name a, a specific individual like Jesus is an only begotten he's not the only one and we're going to get into that in a future chapter in this book so anyway and the lord god said unto moses for mine own purpose have i made these things clarification of this verse is in chapter 9 the only begotten so that's uh you know, chapter nine is where we'll talk about these things. We're in chapter four now, so it'll be a couple of weeks before I uh, I go through that chapter. The power of the Holy Spirit. God once said, "For by the power of my Spirit created I them, yea, all things, both spiritual and temporal." That's in Doctrine and Covenants section twenty-nine, verse thirty-one. So that. You can see that, like, okay, is it is it the Spirit or is it the Redeemer or is it the Father? Which one is it? Well, I tell you, it is all. It is all three. Also, this thing with the Spirit, there, that's a that's a little bit confusing as well because, like, Jesus Christ was a Rock Hakodesh in Hebrew. That means a set-apart spirit before he was born. When he showed himself to Mohanroy Moriankumar, the brother of Jared, he was a spirit being at that time. He was a set-apart spirit or a holy spirit, a Ruach HaKodesh. And you can have the spirit of the Father. That does not mean that spirit is the Holy Ghost like God the witness. So the proper titles for the first presidency of each earth under the direction of an Elohim, there is the father who is God, the creator, 
for our earth that is Michael, under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim. Michael's first counselors are God the Redeemer, the first witness of the Father, and God the Witness, the second witness of or apostle of the Father. And the Father is Michael. Oh, and I know that a lot of people flip out about, oh, no, Jesus is Jehovah. No, he is not. And I've talked about that so many times on this program over the years. Uh, and we're actually going to get into more of that also in the chapter that talks about Jehovah. Like, we're going to really get into that because there's a lot of things that have been misconstrued since the 1880s when this false doctrine began to enter into the church, which contradicts the scriptures. And I know that the correlated Mormons don't think it does contradict the scriptures because they are spoon-fed what they want or what the corporation wants them to know. But we're going to get into why that is a contradiction and uh, why Jesus and Jehovah are two separate individuals. Jesus Christ is the grandson of Jehovah. Jehovah is our Elohim. He is over all this earth. And the first president, it's kind of like in the church. Jesus Christ stands over all, but he has a first presidency. That's the president and his two counselors. It's the same hierarchical structure. Jehovah is over all for this earth. God the creator who is Michael who became Adam is God the father. He is the president of this earth. That's why all the keys get back turned back to him. That's why Joseph Smith said the things that he said about him holding all of the keys for this earth. He's it. He is the father. Father both spiritually and physically, not just physically, but spiritually as well, because he was a redeemer on an older earth and he paid for our sins and transgressions on that earth. And he became our father through the law of adoption when we accepted him on an older earth. Jesus Christ, when he paid for our sins and transgressions on this earth, we become his children and he becomes our father even though we have a father above him and he has a father above him. It's the same concept. It's the progression of the gods. When Jesus Christ says, I am the father and the son, he is not lying. But in order for you to understand it, you have to have revelation for yourself or you have to hear the words of a prophet to correct you in your misunderstanding of these things so that you can go to God and get a confirmation that these things are true if you believe them. If you believe them, you go to God and you ask. Now, if you don't want to, you don't have to, and that's fine. Lots of people will call me a false prophet for teaching these things. That's fine. I don't care. You know, eventually you'll stone me, whatever. But you know what? Um, I have a time when God will allow me to be murdered and that time nobody's going to push that up. 
I, it's not going to happen until uh, until he allows it at the end of my ministry. And that's fine. Because after I'm murdered, I will lay in the street for three days and three nights, and I will be caught up um, to the throne of God in a resurrected body. And all of those people out there who have accepted this ministry, who have accepted these words, who have received their baptisms and their endowments and their anointings, and those people who believe will be caught up with me and my witness as we are caught up and that's that's actually when the um, the rapture happens, and it's not going to be every Christian on the earth. In fact, in uh, I know I'm going off on tangents, and that's why this program is so long. But um, in Revelations chapter 11, it says that when they saw the two prophets that they had murdered laying in the streets, and they saw them being raised up in resurrection and caught up into the air. In chapter 12 it says they're taken they're taken to the throne of God. And there's a reason for that because that is God the witness going back up into the kingdom of heaven as a resurrected body taking his place next to God because he is God the witness or the second counselor or apostle of the Father. But when that happens it says great fear falls upon those those people who mocked who had great parties because they killed the prophets. You know, like they, like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, they're just false prophets anyway. They work by the power of the devil and whatever, you know. And it says great fear falls upon them because at that point they will realize that the two, the two prophets, the two witnesses, one of which is God the witness, that they really were who they said that they were. And then they will realize that they had rejected the Holy Ghost or God the Witness as he came on the earth. And they need to feel sorry for themselves because uh, you reject the Holy Ghost, you know, if you reject the Holy Ghost, it's not forgivable. When Jesus said, um, all manner of blasphemies can you commit against me, but um, you you can't do that against God the witness or the Holy Ghost when he comes. He says that and everybody's like, oh, that's just a metaphor. Like once the Holy Spirit teaches you something and then you reject it, then you can't be forgiven. Well, that's part of it. But when you reject him face to face, when he comes in the flesh and he tells you who he is, and you just reject it and you make all kind of, uh, you know, call him all kinds of names and and say that he's, or you don't listen to him. You, you listen, but you don't actually do what he says, like as far as gathering, um, taking these things into consideration that he's talking about, you know, whatever. Like you reject him through your sloth, that's, that, you're going to have a problem. All manner of blasphemy, Jesus says, will be forgiven against him. But against God the witness, you're in trouble. And I'm sorry that that, um, that so many people have a problem with that. 
But once again, I, I like to tell people, you know, that's that's between you and God. That's not between you and I. I am here to share a witness and to teach the people. That's it. Okay? Well, there's more to it than that. But that's, that's my job right now. And... Um, and, you know, whether you accept it or reject it, that's between you and God. I don't care. I used to care. Until, until like, probably about 85% of the people that actually spoke up. Actually, it's more than that. Uh, they actually speak up. All they do is uh, they, they call me names. You know, uh, they want to argue all kinds of points of doctrine. Uh, without actually looking at the scriptures, you know, don't take anything into consideration that I'm trying to tell them. You know what? It's just, it's fine. Um, and uh, Isaiah chapter 49, it talks about the Davidic servant who is God the witness, come in the flesh, um, that he is sent to his children. And, he, and basically that's a metaphor for his people. And that they reject him and he laments and he's like, why am I even here? Because these people won't even listen. You know, and it says that God gives him another people. Well, right now, the people I'm teaching are fulfilling prophecy. Because though some might call me names, there are others who I consider friends, but they don't accept what I'm saying. And if they accepted it, they would. Uh, there would be actions behind it, and there are no actions behind it. Like very few people get baptized. I've probably baptized maybe twenty people in the last ten years. You know, well, most people don't come. They they think this is interesting, and that's fine. You know, but whatever. All right, well, let's get back into the reading. Parley P. Pratt stated that it is the power that is the controlling element in all of these great events. And we're on page 44 at 82%. The purest, most refined and subtle of all of these substances and one least understood or even recognized by the less informed among mankind is that substance called the Holy Spirit. This is the great positive controlling element of all other elements. It is omnipresent by reason of its infinitude, and it pervades all things. Uh, and there's a lot of, like, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit of God the Eternal, the Holy Spirit of God the Father, the Holy Spirit of God the Witness. Like, Oh, it's hard to describe these things and how the Holy Spirit even works. God the witness is over the Holy Spirit department. Ministering angels work by the power of God the of of the Spirit under the authority of God the witness and they use the Holy Spirit of the Father to help individuals be inspired or or learn truth or confirm truth 
but the major the majority of the time when God when the you're feeling the Holy Spirit those are ministering spirits that are assigned to you who are who come with the authority of of the Holy Spirit like if the FBI comes to you they're coming under the authority of the Department of Justice if you're in the United States if <laughs> it's the same concept when ministering and that's how God the witness that's how is the influence of the spirit can be felt all over the world by different people at the same time it's not that he is everywhere he is an individual he is in one place period but under the direction of God the witness he sends out ministering spirits who assist people and they are the ones that have the spirit with them and when you feel the Holy Spirit it is them with you now if it is if it is the burning in the bosom that consumes all that is in fact God the Redeemer who is standing there with you at that point there's so many complexities to all of this and everybody wants to simplify it down into one simple way to think about it it is not simple but it is perfect Anyway, continuing on. It pervades all things. It is the great agent or executive by which God organizes and puts in motion all worlds, and which by the mandate of the Almighty or any of his commissioned servants performs all of the mighty wonders, signs, and miracles ever manifested in the name of the Lord. The dividing of the sea the removing of the mountain, the raising of the dead, the healing of the sick. And that is Key to Theology, a book written by Parley P. Pratt. Good book. Page 46. Parley Pratt's brother Orson Pratt also explained, quote, all these universal laws that appear so prominently before us from day to day are nothing more than the operations of that all-wise spirit which we are told is round about and in all things, and which acts according to certain laws prescribed by the Almighty. Take away this spirit, and you would immediately see some things going up, others down, some moving horizontally. One portion of the earth would be divided from the other. One part of one part would be flying here and another there. And that's Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 340. And you know what? Orson was a genius, but he's wrong. When God showed me the beginning, and I'm not talking about the beginning of this earth. I'm talking about God, the eternal when he became self-aware, and it's hard to say he, okay? When when he and his feminine was one in the intelligence, 
and they became or uh, it's so hard to describe okay the the feminine and the masculine are one eternal together in intelligence when the intelligence becomes self-aware the the fast the masculine and the feminine separate that's what i was shown and you've got a male and a female spirit god the eternal is the first that includes god the eternal mother who is hava and god the eternal father who is adam every first person who comes on an earth is called an adam and a Hava, or an Eve in English, to honor God the Eternal, Mother and Father. But what I was also shown and taught is that the laws of the universe are eternal. And the elements are eternal. They can be organized. They cannot be created nor can they be destroyed. God has to work within the laws of the universe, which are also eternal like he is. Eternal and unchanging. There are ways to manipulate things, but there are there's laws. Okay, and when Orson Pratt thinks that like if the Holy Ghost isn't here, like all of a sudden the whole planet's going to fly apart in pieces... I, what I I would ask him. Well, he probably believes that the holy the power of the Holy Spirit fills the whole universe. Meh, okay, whatever, whatever you want to think, Orson, in your nineteenth century thoughts. Does that mean that God, the witness, that His Spirit fills Mars or Saturn or the Moon or the Sun? No, it doesn't. The laws of the universe include gravity. The law of attraction. There are laws that cannot be um, changed. They can be manipulated through higher technology, but... but um, Gravity is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not gravity. Uh, the Holy Spirit and God the Witness and God the Father and God the Eternal and all of the Elohim, they operate under the laws of the universe, which are also eternal. And that's what God showed me when he showed me the beginning. And he showed me many, many, many other things, which I'm not going to get into in this program because I already talked enough. Anyway... This concept is also this concept is also advocated by many LDS theologians of today, such as Professor Hiram Anders. And Hiram Anders was a professor like oh man 70, 80 years ago. So I don't know, uh, many theologians of today wouldn't include Hiram Anders, but anyway, whatever. It's still a good book, even though we've got a whole bunch of people who are dead, uh, who he's the Ogden Cry is currently quoting. Anyway, this is Hiram Anders. The earth was not created merely by the action of natural forces, such as those 
that are generally known to man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, the divine intelligence substance that under the direction of the Almighty is the ex- agent or executive by which God organizes or puts in motion all worlds. And that's God, man, and the universe by Anders, page 308. And by the way, we're on page 45 at 92%. Um, hold on. I just have to say with this thing, too. Um, <laughs> God the witness, before he put off his last resurrection had the fullness of the priesthood. So did Jesus, God the Redeemer. So did the Father. The Father never put out. Like Jesus Christ, he will never put off his body ever again. When he becomes an Adam, he's placed on a new earth, the new earth that John sees in the book of Revelations. He's going to be placed on that earth as a resurrected celestial body. But God, the Redeemer of that earth, he will be a spirit for a time, just like Jesus was for this earth. But before that happens, we will have the fullness of the priesthood, which is the ability to command and control the elements. And uh, we will assist in certain things, whatever. But um, I do not. um, I I don't know. I just I think that there's a lot of speculation that goes on. And, you know, some of the stuff I I say is speculation as well. And I try to make a distinction between what I have actually seen and what I actually know and my speculation because I don't know all things. You know, there's still things that are a mystery to me, you know, but there are things that I have been shown. Uh, There's another caveat, which I uh, real quick want to talk about. Just because I've seen a thing in a vision doesn't mean I understand it completely. It's like there will be times when God will say or will show me things and it just it takes me a while to just comprehend what I'm seeing even though he says it like and it's the same thing with revelations that he gives me like I'll go back and read a revelation that he has given me personally one that he told me to write down and I'll be like oh I never realized he said that or I'll see it in a certain way which makes it open up to me you know it's that's the way it is like when God revealed to me who I was or who I am or why I was chosen like it took me a minute and, and finally I was like, am I the witness? And he looked at me and he, because uh, I was still with him. Like, it didn't take me that long. It took me a minute, though, because I was like watching all this happen. And he showed me all these things. And he showed me how after the rebellion, I was chosen from among they who are mighty and strong to be the witness of the father and the son. And like, I always thought it was Joseph Smith. For some reason, because that's what the fundamentalists believe. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. And it's not. Not a, even a little bit. It's not. Um, and I can get into that, but I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, I I was like looking at this whole scene that it had unfolded before me. 
which God was showing me. And I looked at him and I said, am I the witness? And he smiled like, oh, you're finally starting to wake up. And he said, well, it has to be somebody. And he just smiled, big smile on his face. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I never, I had a hard time. I, I didn't accept the fact that he was trying to tell me that I was the one mighty and strong. Although... I didn't understand at the time that there's more than one. There's actually 15 for each earth. But I didn't understand. I was like, nope, I'm not. No way. You know, I know who I am, and I am not that. And then, like, he says, you know, he comes to me, he says, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And then he shows me, yeah, in fact, you are one of the one mighty and strong, but you're more than that. You were chosen to take the place of the witness. And I was like, like, it was hard for me to accept the whole mighty and strong thing. But when he showed me who I really am and why I was called to this position of authority... That was a bridge too far as far as I was. I'm like just dumbstruck. Like, are you serious? And like, even now I'm like, why in the world would you choose me? How is it that I could be anything at all? Because I am nothing. I do not feel worthy to do this work. I do not feel, I don't feel like I should be eligible to do this work. And when I was asking God, how is that possible? He said, it's not because of who you are on this world. It's because of who you were before you came here. And you know what? I saw a small glimpse of that time. But I don't know who I was before. I know. I know the position I had. I stood with the 12 as they one one who was chosen as the mighty and strong ones. I fought valiantly in the war in heaven. um, You know, testifying and teaching and, and all the things that I did. After Satan was cast out of heaven, I was chosen to take the place that he vacated. When he went from becoming the bearer of light and truth, or the Lucifer, which is Latin for light and truth, and he became the Satan, their office was vacant, and I was chosen from they who were mighty and strong among the twelve to be in that position as the second counselor of the Father and the Son. The second witness. That's why I have seen them face to face in the flesh. And as much as I've seen and as much as God has shown me, it still boggles my mind and I still think... 
How is it even possible? Anyway, continuing on. After considering these differing viewpoints as to the identity of the Creator, it seems most logical and truthful to conclude that it was God the Father. He is responsible for the spiritual and physical creation of the elements composing our earth. Jesus and all mankind were both created, were created both spiritually and physically by God. Uh, see, I don't think Ogden really understands these things either. I mean, he comes closer than anyone else that I've ever seen. However, after God created the earthly elements, Jesus began the work in the pre-existence of organizing the world, or organizing, which means creating the world or mankind. So let me say that again. Jesus began the work in in the pre-existence of, of creating mankind, or organizing mankind, organizing the world, which is mankind, into their places and state stations according to the gospel plan of salvation. As organizer of the world, he was called their creator. So in a sense, both God and Jesus... Excuse me, our creators or organizers, but God the Father is the creator of our heaven and earth through the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's so, it's so confusing. Like, trying to put it all together logically without God's witness, without God's interpretation or God's revelation. And you know what? God will reveal these things to you if you bug him to death about it, but you really have to want to know it in order for him to reveal it. Um, so that you can understand it completely in its intricacies. Uh, throughout many of the following chapters, additional verification of this conclusion will be provided. And now we're on the last page, page 46. All plants, or I'm sorry, all planets and stars have different rotations and distances causing a change in their times and seasons. God hath set his hand and sealed the change. Oh, excuse me. God hath sent his hand and sealed the change the times and seasons. Doctrine and Covenants, section 121, verse 12. So, anyway, we're finally done with this chapter. Next chapter, we're going to talk about the times and seasons or the Moedim, the Holy Days of Jehovah. I don't think we're going to talk about the Holy Days of Jehovah. But, anyway, that's the next chapter, and it starts on page 47. So, anyway... That's uh, that's the end of this chapter, chapter four. And um, I wish I had time to go back and just read it and not have any commentary because I think I talk too much. And I think a lot of people agree with that. Uh, but those people who agree with me talking too much, they'll never get to the end of this program. Uh, but that's fine. Whatever. Um, anyway, well... 
I think we're going to leave it at that. And uh, I'll get to uploading these podcasts before I go to work, which I will be doing later on today. And then I will be uh, starting at around two, between two and three, and I'll be working till between four and five in the morning. So I've got a long, long day ahead of me. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you for listening to everything. Take care, everyone. God bless. And goodbye.